You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Down the sideline for Tate. He's got it. Golden Tate is going to go for the touchdown. 64 yards from the rookie Daniel Jones. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan. How you doing, Grump? Uh, I am finally getting some sleep after taking, uh, took me about 12 hours to get home from your place Monday night. No thanks to uh, New Jersey Transit for not running trains. That was wild. Yeah, I, I still <laughs> feel very bad about that. Dropped you off and... Well, I mean, to be fair, we confirmed with you. You sure you don't want us to wait for you for the train for you? No, 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 I got it. Train never comes. <laughs> no, I'm good. No, so planes, trains, and automobiles to get home. But uh, yeah, moral of the story: make sure you look at the official New Jersey Transit or the official MTA apps before you take a train off hours in this COVID world. Otherwise, you'll be standing a long time at a train station <laughs> waiting for a train that never comes. Right. Sort of like being a Giant fan lately. Well, the Giants uh, had the benefit of playing at home last uh, Monday, but this week they will be taking a plane to go to Chicago where they will face the Chicago Bears at 1 o'clock on Sunday at Soldier Field. Yeah, I mean, it's a good, uh, you know, I think we learned a lot about this team after week one. I mean, not so much to make, you know, definitive statements. This is the way they're going to be, but it was definitely a good starting point to say you know what is our baseline are we starting from scratch scratch or are there you know green shoots of things that look you know the things that can work on and i think it's with the giants it was a case of the latter over the the former i mean there have been some opening games in the past several years we're like jesus christ Mm -hmm. this team is going to be the number one draft pick and i i don't feel that you know right now i think there's some there are some concerns that are kind of out of this team's hands for this year you know personnel wise but i think some of the things that we saw could be corrected and i think will be corrected as we go forward um so it was a loss we expect we expected to lose to a team that you know i think is definitely a playoff team you don't have questions about but a better team clearly beat us last Mm -hmm. week yeah and, and quite frankly we both predicted it so it is what it is um i mean we're not going to spend this podcast talking about that game much but you know I agree. I, I think that all things considered and what we, ex, you know, expectations had to be pretty low for a team changing over an entire new offense, entire new defense. There's no continuity whatsoever between this year and last year except your quarterback, a couple of your receivers, and your running back. I mean, for the most part, the rest of it is just personnel, and they're all doing different things now. I mean, the whole defense is different. That changes everything. So, you know... I expected, honestly, it to look a little bit more sloppy than it did. It didn't really look too bad. It ended poorly, and you know the second half wasn't what we wanted. But the first half looked more like good Giants than bad Steelers. So we're hoping that the good carries over, and then some of the mess ups, um, you know, get cleaned up throughout the week when we have some film to look at for the for the players to go over. I think everybody's outlook on this game changes completely if Daniel Jones doesn't have that pick in the end zone. Because, oh, sure. you know, a, a super long drive, a super efficient drive, a super methodical drive that, uh, you know, 
gets completely eliminated and not discussed because of the mistake. And it really, you know, they were in that game. You know, if they score a field goal, that is a game to be won. Not look, you know, it's not a game about moral victories at that point. And, uh, you know, it's a shame, but, you know, that's also been a problem with this Giants team for the last decade. You know, the, the bad Eli fumble or the bad Eli pick in the red zone. So, you know, this is, you know, losers lose a little bit too. A little bit, but we're, we're washing away Monday. We're looking ahead to Sunday. So the, the only thing really that I'm seeing carry over from, from this week, in, from Monday into Sunday, is potentially Golden Tate has still limited limited at practice with a hamstring injury. In addition to that, um, rookie Carter Coughlin also limited with a hamstring and safety Adrian Colbert limited with a quad in, uh, injury of some nature. Um, so a fairly healthy Giants team goes from Monday to Sunday. Just about what we had going into Monday is what we have going into Sunday. So that's not all that bad. Chicago, on the other hand, has you know a little bit more concerning problems. Uh, Khalil Mack limited with a knee. Um, you know that's not good for them. Robert Quinn also limited with an ankle. Akeem Hicks didn't practice yet this week. He's got an illness. I expect all three to play. Hicks probably in the best capacity. Uh, illness is just such an unspecified, uh, you know, level of quote unquote injury. Um, but back Mac and Quinn. I mean, in what capacity are they going to be playing it on Sunday? Is it's? I don't think we'll be hundred percent. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned those three guys, and you're like, they've been limited. And my first thought is, oh, they'll play. But when you say, oh, Golden Tate was limited, my first thought is, he's not going to play. <laughs> I don't know if that's just kind of, you know, how I'm getting myself mentally adjusted to the Joe Judge era where, you know, limited information and, you know, I'm assuming the worst for guys. You know, I, I, I don't know. But just in my head, Golden Tate is not going to be there, and I'll be pleasantly surprised if he is even if he is there for, you know, 70-80% of what he is capable of doing. Well, here's the thing. I mean, you look at it's the beginning of the year. Tate hasn't done anything yet. I mean, I don't think he was involved in the two scrimmages. He hasn't practiced in a full capacity in a couple of weeks. He didn't play last week. So there's no reason to think he will play this week. Uh, sure. As far as I'm concerned, he's not playing until I hear that he is. Um, and even right. when I hear that he is, I want to see how much he plays versus that. Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn, on the other hand, were were you know they played last week, they didn't come away too injured, and, and same thing with Akeem Hicks. So those guys, as far as I'm concerned, are all playing until I hear that they're not. I mean, it, it's the nature of how all of this developed. So um, yeah, I agree with you, but I I don't know how much of that is Joe Judge keeping it close to the vest and you know Matt Nagy never really caring. Uh, I think. This is just a little bit more situational here. I you know something, you know, I know he's our number one receiver, but I'm more concerned about this offense by the other weapon that basically was a did not play, and that was Evan Ingram. I mean, I know he was on the field. I know he was running around. Well, I it know certainly looked like him. I just uh, yeah, you know, yeah. It was his but you know, anyway. it was a complete no show, no effort, no execution night, and I think. You know, for all of the headlines that Barkley got for his, you know, awful game that he had, you know, the bigger headline to me is Evan Ingram has got to be something because, you know, he right now is the number one target, you know, and the number one, you know, consistency number one guy. Uh, and if he's out there being useless, you know, and you're going to rely on Barkley where defenses are going to stack the box and do everything they can to stop him, 
this offense is going nowhere, and this team is going to be destroyed. Well, so, I mean, he was he was part of my matchup to watch last week was Evan Ingram versus that that defense and who they were going to try and put on him. I mean, he was they pitched a shutout. He was pretty much useless. Um, that can't happen. You know, it, we we take him for being at best at very best an adequate blocker for the offset that he's an exceptional receiver. He was both pitiful in, in, in as a blocker and disappointing as a receiver because he didn't even show up. I mean, he You better be a great receiver if you if you're getting a passer being a bad blocker and he was, you know, certainly not that and it's you know, drop passes and just, you know, it that has to change immediately. And this is a guy that's coming up on a big contract soon, you know, and He's been solid for us. He's not been a superstar for us. And this is his chance to potentially cash in soon. And, you know, we, we can't have games like that out of him. It's, it's unacceptable. We'll get to Barkley in a minute, but I'm focusing today. My number one thing is I need to see a significant 180-degree effort and execution turnaround for Evan Ingram. Right. And I think part of Evan Ingram's um, mediocrity over the last couple of years has been scheme. I think they've just been using him wrong. If you look at how successful he was in college and what he does best, he really is good at stretching the field and testing. I mean, even if he's just pulling linebackers out of that soft zone in the middle and freeing up other guys, that's fine. He just didn't do that, you know, with with Pat Shermer. So, well, is this his third scheme now? It, it is, yeah. Since college, yeah. So, I mean, are we going to say three? You know, professional head coaches slash offensive coordinators have, scre- have schemed a you know, above average tight end, a, a, a mismatch guy incorrectly at some no, point. I'm going to say, I'm going to say the two are, I, I'm going to say that Ben McAdoo and Pat Shermer, are. I think, I think from what we've seen in practice and scrimmages, the little I was allowed to see that Jason Garrett gets it, but we didn't see it on Monday night. And I, I'm wondering if part of that is to do with some game planning for a really good pass rush or what, but Nevertheless, I mean, it's got to happen. He's got to be stretching the field. And we have seen some plays in in the scrimmages where they've done that. So I'm hoping that this is the offensive coordinator that gets it. It's certainly seen that way. So we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. Well, let's, let's segue for a second into pass rush and defending a, a good pass rush. Because I think Monday night we saw us do a relatively good job of defending a, a very tough pass rush. And better than I hope for. I mean, the problems with this offensive line were, you know, run blocking and creating holes for Saquon Barkley. And, you know, that's something to see us build on. Now, you know, again, I frosted over Saquon for a second to get into my criticism of Evan Ingram, but now I'm going to go to Barkley. You know, you can't have those games. I mean, I get it. If you're, if you're game planning specifically to stop one person, that's one thing, but you have to be able to pass block. You have to be able to, you know, do something. And if he, he's easy to, you know, basically hit 150 in a game for that, you know, that that's that's not going to work either. Um, what did you think about uh, Tiki Barber's comments about him, about being a negative, so such a deficiency pass blocking that maybe he shouldn't be on the field in third down? Well, I, I think that Tiki Barber's comments are not unfounded at all. I think they're a little... I think it's a little excessive to say that maybe he's not a third, a three-down back. I don't think that that's really the case. But there, I mean, it's open for criticism. I, I would say after rewatching the game, that you know, on fifty percent of his pass blocking assignments, he was inadequate, and that's not good enough. You can't fifty percent is way too high. I mean, you're a running back. I get it. You're not going to be, you know, 
taking on TJ Watt every week, and if you get barreled by him two times a game, that's kind of to be expected. You hope for better than that. But, but I mean, we're in a very tough division with a lot of pass rushers in this division. And, you know, something, it may not be TJ Watt, but it's going to be, you know, it's going to be Chase Young. It's going to be all of these guys coming at him. So, uh, you know, especially right now where this offensive line is still a work in progress and it's not, you know, the offensive line we're going to go into the playoffs with. He has to be that much better now where, you know, all the assistance is required. And to be that bad, and on top of really providing nothing out of the backfield, you know, that can't happen. And, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not, this is no way saying he's a bust and fire, get him and all that nonsense, but there has to be improvement from that. Absolutely. I mean, there's how, how could anyone argue with that? I would say that there, there were a couple that looked like missed assignments, and you know that is going to come with a new offensive scheme with no game planning, especially with uh, first year tackles, first year in the system with Cam Fleming, yeah, with with Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas, by the way, we'll shift to him. Actually, looked pretty damn good, um, much better than I expected in his first game. Uh, and I'm the guy who was slamming the table for him since day one. So. We knew right away Eric Flowers was going to be a problem. We knew, we saw, you know, technique issues. We saw him being slow. We saw him being a little lazy. And we saw him getting beat a lot early, and the concerns were there. And for a while, you kind of forgot about, you know, that you had a a raw rookie with no real training camp on the left side doing okay. Uh, Cam Fleming is Cam Fleming. I mean, he's a placeholder for now. Again, he's not going to be like I said. He's not going to be part of that offensive line we go to the playoffs with. But you know, at some point, he's going to need some help. I think we'll see how long it lasts with him. Um, but you know, there there was something to build on with pass blocking. Uh, run blocking is a different situation. Run blocking. I'm going to shift to center Nick Gates. Now, I've been saying this for a long time. I, I actually, I'm not sure that I agree with what I said, but I, I what I was saying <laughs> is that. Um, Center was more of an important piece than right tackle. I, I don't know that I fully agree with that, but my, my logic was you can buy a guy like Cam Fleming that's a placeholder, and, and, and he'll come in and he'll do okay. But when you have a center that's a true center that's going to be your center, you have a, a pouncy or something like that, he makes that interior three all better. We have a good guard in Will Hernandez. We have a good guard in Kevin Zeitler. They are useless if the guy in between them is getting barreled into the backfield. They are useless. They can in in the run game. They're useless. Let me ask you a question. Will Hernandez? He hasn't been what he he hasn't kept that trajectory we thought he was from being a rookie. How much do you blame that on having inferior center play next to him for as opposed to? Lack of his own personal development. I think in the passing game, he struggled a little bit with trying to clean up some Nate Solder stuff as well as some center stuff. I think in the run game, he's been okay. And honestly, rewatching that Steelers game, I'm not really sure where the criticism comes from. I mean, he wasn't perfect. He didn't pitch a shutout. But he really, if you focus on him, I don't think he played bad in that game. And, you know, that's fine. I'll, I'll die on that hill against whatever media analysts or, you know, I'm sure Baldinger can find some things that I don't know about. And that's that's perfectly fine. But watch, right. he, he was not the glaring problem. To me, the glaring problems were coming from Cam Fleming and right up the gut at Nick Gates. Uh, you know, 
to me, Nick Gates is a great swing utility guy that you can throw in there at center and he'll finish a game. He could probably play a couple games at right tackle for you if your right tackle's got you know some three or four week injury. To me, he is not starting caliber what you want starting. I don't care what right. position you're throwing him at. So you know the fact that he's starting at center for us, that's just something we're going to have to deal with for this year. But I don't think that in any way the Giants organization wanted that out of him when they gave him an extension. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, th- this is something we're going to have to figure out this year and how to f- just work with. And I, I, I think that he's a good guy and a hardworking guy. I think he can find some ways to not be so brutal, but... He's Jesus. a guy on, on really good teams, like you said, he's a swing guy. He's not a starter. And that's why the Giants are really all right now because they have too many guys in on this roster and too many guys in the starting 22 that are best served being backups somewhere. And yeah, and that's that's why this team is going to struggle this year. So some of the things that I, I think that the Giants fans are going to want to watch, um, you know, the, the Bears played pathetically against the Lions. There, I mean, a lot of rust with a not very good roster. I mean, a couple of years ago, the Bears were really really good. Uh, they had a better defense. I think that they had a more multiple offense. Now, I mean, the excuses for Mitchell Trubisky are running out. Uh, you know, there's some holes in the defense now where there weren't in years past with Prince and Mooka Maragon. Uh, you know, Adrian Amos gone. You know, the Leonard Floyd gone. Like, there's there's that depth that made them so potent on defense is just vanishing. Um, so, you know, they didn't play very well. And I think that one of the things that the Lions failed to do that allowed the Bears to come back into that game and win was Anthony Miller was not being covered very well. So we know Allen Robinson is this all-world wide receiver um, and that James Bradbury and probably some some safety help are going to try and lock him out of the game. But Corey Ballantyne's going to have his fans full with Anthony Miller who had four catches for a touchdown and like 75 yards or something against the Lions. That can't happen. And I believe that Anthony Miller's touchdown was the go-ahead touchdown to end the game. So, you know, he's going to have to hold his own. And now he he didn't play great last week, but he certainly wasn't a major liability. He played probably better than my expectations, Corey Ballantyne. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think he was specifically picked on and targeted as much as he might be, you know, as we go forward, you know, you know, against, especially when we had, we face teams that have, you know, two, three, four, you know, decent receivers too. So, um, I think that was, he benefited from a matchup situation more than how great he actually played. Like, let's see when he's out there and has to really cover a really good number two, what happens. I mean the other thing the other thing and this is going to be probably a theme for much of the at least the beginning of the year is Andrew Thomas and, and Cam Fleming versus Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn. I mean Quinn and Mack are a little banged up. They were pretty much shut out against the Lions. I will say that much. Uh you know th- on the stat sheet just a couple of tackles, no sacks, maybe some pressures here and there but you know, Matt Stafford's also a veteran that knows how to manipulate the pocket and use his eyes and use the quick game when he sees things coming. Daniel Jones is learning a new offense and is a second-year player, so I'm not going to hold him to that standard. The tackles are going to have to hold up a little bit. And Cam Fleming had a really rough game, but I'm not. I, he's, I think, going to be going mainly. Well, I, I think that the Bears are going to scheme to do whatever they need to do, but uh, you know, I'll take 
Khalil Mack with a knee problem against Cam Fleming in a tight end or a running back versus TJ Watt versus, you know, Cam Fleming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that this duo fares a little bit better this week against a, in my opinion, not quite as good duo. That's a little banged well, up. Well, I think the best thing now is you have lots of game tape from the first week and you can work on things specifically in practice more, you know, tailored to what they see as opposed to just doing general reps and doing general, you know, we're installing this, you know, this defense and everything. So now let's see, let's see how that week one to week two progression goes. It's usually a big, you know, a big indicator of how the progress of a team's going to happen from week one to week two. So. Yeah. And and the last thing I I really want to focus on while watching this game, um, when I'm not screaming at the TV is, uh, Darius Slayton versus uh, Kyle Fuller. Now I mentioned the the defensive backfield for the Bears and how it's missing some pieces that it had had in previous years. You know, Kyle Fuller is really the number one corner. I mean, they have second round pick Jalen Johnson played okay versus the Lions. Um, you know, the key here is if if Slayton can get open against Fuller, that's going to open up a whole bunch. If they can. If he can force now, Slayton, by the way, was a, a fucking all star last week. You know, given given the pressure that Daniel Jones was under, under Slayton six catches for a, a touchdown and a hundred plus yards. That was pretty pretty damn good. Um, yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking about Slayton even more so for this game. Like you said, you know, if he gets separation, it opens up things in this particular game. I'm thinking about if he continues to impress, you know, against like Fuller, for example. Does that change, you know, our game plan, our offensive game plan to have him more, you know, as a viable weapon as opposed to, well, here's a guy who's taking advantage of mismatch because, you know, how we're scheming for him now. Well, I I mean, my hope is that, you know, if he can just do enough against Fuller to take some safety help away from the more lacking corners on this team, like Buster Screen, who's who's pretty good slot corner, but nothing nothing to be too excited about and Jalen Johnson who's <laughs> playing in his second game in the NFL you know right. I, I mean you, you these are things that Sterling Shepard and hopefully Golden Tate can win against if they're playing one-on-one so I mean that's what I really if, if Slayton can force their number one corner to need help then that's that's a win even if Slayton only comes up with three catches for you know I don't know 50 right. yards or something like that if he's opening up the other guys on this offense then he is doing more than his fair share right there yeah, I'm not concerned about numbers for him necessarily. That's exactly the point. It's everybody has a number one who creates a matchup problem and it moves around your resources. You know, do you have to account for it? And right now we don't have that. And maybe, you know, if he keeps playing the way he has, that forces, you know, defenses to do that. And you're right, it's going to make it a lot easier for everybody else on this team. So, and we'll also maybe kind of lighten up the, uh, the number one game planning of just stopping the run and stopping the run being priority number one on this team. Yeah. Make them, make them, make them be a little afraid of the passing game and the deeper threats and all the stuff that goes on. And, and that way you have to be honest, you know, and then all of a sudden, then Saquon Barkley can be Saquon Barkley and then look out. Well, I mean, here, here, here's my number one key to this game. And I know it was bad on Monday, but run the fucking ball. I don't care what it takes to get a run game going. A quick passing attack to offset a pass rush can't be the Giants' game plan every single week. 
Nick Gates, he needs to be putting in extra work this week in the in the film room to to win a very winnable matchup in the middle. You know, guys like Bilal Nichols are pretty good, but Roy Robertson, Harris, John Jenkins, Mario Edwards, these are not guys that should be, you know, winning in the middle. So this this team is not built to win with Daniel Jones throwing 41 times. Not yet. This team is built for Daniel Jones to throw 25 to 30. If he throws 25 to 30 times, there's a much greater chance this team will win. That means the you know I mean that means the passing game, uh, the running game is working. Uh, you know, we're not behind, we're not trying to, you know, throw all the time to catch, to catch up possibly. So when we see, you know, he threw 41 times last week, and if he, that happens again, this team, the odds of winning are very, very low. So that starts, to your point, force the running game. you got to make it work because we can't we're, we're not going to win the right. third quarter. That just can't happen. Exactly. Well, I mean, to, to, to Jason Garrett's credit, the, 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 team, the, the players need to do enough to make him warrant calling the plays, but he can't, he can't give up either. We don't want to be stubborn either. We, if something is clearly not working, just keep, don't keep going to the well. You know, if it's not going to work, something's, you know, be creative within the running game. Be creative with little swing. Get, get Barkley more touches, even a little swing pass it to him and let him do some stuff. He, he's your best offensive weapon. We just can't abandon, you know, the guy in the backfield if it's not working early. And, and that said, you know, this quick passing attack that was kind of, I mean, a lot of Daniel Jones' passes were, you know, in the, in the short intermediate range. Um, that's not really what Jason Garrett's offense is all about. He's more no. down the field, big play, play action guy. I mean, at least from what we've seen in the past, we've only got one game as a Giants offensive coordinator to go off of here. But if in order for him to do that, A, the run has to work, and B, the pass blocking has to fucking work. It needs to be fixed. I don't care if it's Evan Ingram or if it's Nick Gates or if it's Will Hernandez or if it's Saquon Barkley or Deion Lewis or whoever is the problem. They need to step up and get it right because this offense is not going to work if Daniel Jones has to get rid of the ball in two seconds. His, his game plan is down the field. Daniel Jones in college was a one-read guy, right? We all know that. Is this offense really the best fit for him? More of a vertical offense? Or is the quick, or is the quick passing, you know, that more his, you know, taters to his more of his experience and his strengths? Well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to spend like a million years on this, but Daniel Jones... One of the things that he does that I don't think can really be taught is that he waits for play. He he sits in the pocket and he takes hits like a fucking man, and he waits for things to develop. I mean, those are things you can't teach. Now, if you are tailor made for a quick strike offense, you don't do those things. If if you if you are a wuss in the pocket or you you just you know you you go straight to the ground when when guys come at you, then a quick strike offense is what you. You can't sit in the pocket, then you can't sit in the pocket. He can do that. We can make this work. I mean, he was in a one-read offense in college because, I mean, he played at Duke. It's not like he played at Alabama with with the nation's all-stars, and that's all he was capable of. Um, You know, I I, I truly think that he has the tools to be a downfield guy, especially with, you know, he doesn't have elite arm strength or anything, but he has good accuracy at all levels of, of the field in the short range, intermediate, and deep. I think he's what you want in a deep passer, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's... Yeah, and again, I think he's young enough, and I think uh, he seems like he's smart enough, and 
he does take he can stay in the pocket, but he has to have obviously better thinking and better ball security within that pocket while things are going on around him too. And that hopefully we're hoping he'll get with experience and maturity. Because we we can't lose games with the mistakes he made last week. No. no. We're not that, we're not he that can't good be responsible for the one key play that ends it all. Yeah. Um, the last thing is, defensively, they need to attack and fluster Mitchell Trubisky. He sucks nuts. I'm not really worried about the run defense in this matchup. I know that the Bears ran for a little over 100 yards last week, but it was a running by committee thing. A lot of that was actually cutback running um, against the Bears defense that was shutting some things down. I like our run defense. I like what we can do. I like what we saw last week, and I think that... I. I I think that that doesn't bother me too much. What I'm worried about, if Trubisky can beat us, then we're in trouble. Um, but if he can get, if he can get flustered and he can't get his feet set and he's got to be, he'll he'll yeah. do some dumbass shit like throw off of his back foot and just launch it. So I mean, you got to make him do that. Any quarterback can beat you if they have time. They can set their legs and they can scan the field. If we just put, we don't have to be the '85 Bears coming after him. Just do enough, you know, enough different things and enough amount of pressure where get him out of his good quarterbacks versus bad quarterbacks. The bad ones, their comfort level is a lot smaller than the great quarterbacks. So we just, you know, disrupt a little bit and you can get him to make mistakes and be bad. If we can't do that, it's going to be a very long season because he's going to be one of the probably three or four worst starting quarterbacks we'll see all year. Mm, definitely, yeah. Prediction time. When it was back in June and we did our way too early predictions, I predicted a win in pencil. I said the Bears don't have a lot of weapons on offense. And, um, you know, that's not any good with Mitch Trubisky at the helm. The offensive line isn't bad, but also nothing to brag about. And I think that the defense can hold Chicago to few drives as long as the offense can give them the rest that they need. Um I am sticking with that prediction. I do think that the Giants shake out a win this week. I still don't think it's going to be very pretty. I still think there's going to be things that we're going to be bitching and moaning about all week after, but I think they eke out a one-score win, 20-13. to 13. I don't remember what I picked in the offseason because that was a million years ago, but... Oh, you picked a. You also picked a win in pencil. You know something, and that's the way I was going to go, was a win in pencil as well. Um I think there is a definite drop-off in overall talent from Pittsburgh to Chicago, and I think starting off with a, a pretty decent team is a good way to kind of get right out of the gate. You can see what you need to work on, you know, adjustments being made during the, during the week. I know it's a, a short week at the Monday night game, but um, I, I feel there's also a sense of urgency, too, because if you look at the next four or five games, it's a pretty tough sled. You know, I, there's San Francisco coming up. There's Dallas, there's the Rams coming up. I think there's a Philly game in there. That's that's tough. And if they go 0-2 into that, into that stretch, it could turn into 0-6 very quickly. So I definitely think, you know, the players aren't stupid. You know, they they know where they know where they are, they know what they are, and they they have schedules. They know what's coming up too. So I definitely think there's a, a bigger sense of urgency that you've got to come out of this game one and one. It makes that next slate a little more palatable. Um, I think they, I think they get it done. I think it's another low scoring kind of ugliest game. I think you'll see maybe a little more of the, the, the penalties and the raggedness than we did in the first week. I was pleasantly surprised how clean it was, but I think with the, uh, the shorter week, 
I think you might see a little uh, regression by that. Neither the whole league is as an all, overall, but I think you'll see a little overall better execution. If that makes sense. And I, I think we sneak out of there with a uh, a low scoring nineteen to fourteen win. Okay, so pretty close. 2013-1914. You heard it here first, guys. We we are sticking with our predictions so far this year. We are we are both one and zero on our predictions. The Giants are zero and one on the year. <laughs> um, real quick around the league, somehow the Washington football team is the only team in the NFC East to come away with a win. They had probably the second hardest matchup, I think, other than us. Um, and uh, so let's let's see how that shakes out this week. What do you think? Rams are playing the Eagles this week. Who wins that game? I think I I would put Philly in pencil only because the Rams had to go cross country. I think if it was in L.A., I would have the Rams in Penn. But I think them coming across, I think they're pretty even, these two teams. I think Philly, because it's at home. And again, with the, you know that sense of urgency, they don't want to go into the start of the season. I, I think they win. I'm picking the Rams. I like Aaron Donald breaking through that that Philly Swiss cheese offensive line as it is right now um, with the injuries and and Carson Wentz just continuing to plummet. Um, moving forward, Falcons <laughs> and Cowboys. This is in Dallas. Yeah, this this is a Dallas win in Penn. Um, you know, Dallas. They, they 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 play the Rams tough again. Those are two good teams. They're they're both playoff teams for sure. Um, they just lost. And, you know, coming back home, um, I like Dallas. I think I like that in uh, in Super Penn. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the Falcons are going to be a sneaky bad team this year. I think they might end up drafting in the top 10 this year. I really don't like them this year. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I'm picking Cowboys all the way here on this one. Not even close. Washington football team is taking on the Arizona Cardinals in the Arizona sunshine at 4 o'clock. Where, how do we feel? Uh, this one will be a, an Arizona win in Penn. I think uh, Washington got their win, and you know something. I am, you know, I know there's always one team that comes out in the first couple of weeks, like, oh, guess who's two and zero, oh, and look who's three and zero. Oh. I just don't think Washington's good enough to be that team. You know, that was a you know a big win week one, big rival. You know, not really expected to win. Now you're asking them to go cross country against a, a, you know, a real up-and-coming quarterback, I, I, I can't see it happening. I, I put that as Arizona in Penn. Washington didn't win last week. Philadelphia chose to lose, and they also <laughs> came in there pretty injured. I know the Cardinals are not one of my favorite teams going to this, but I like the direction that they're heading from a personnel standpoint. And um, whatever deficiencies they have in the offensive line, Kyler Murray makes up for with his mobility. And, uh, yeah, I think this one's Cardinals. No question. Yeah, the Cardinals. The Cardinals, you know, may not be your favorite team, but they are good enough that they should be winning games like this, and they will win a game like this. So basically, based on our picks, we have the entire division being one and one. After, uh, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, you do. I have the Eagles at zero and two, actually. Okay. All right. So there you go. Gridlock in the, gridlock in the NFC East. Oh yeah, like it's, it. a real, it's a real nail biter. Um, <laughs> that's going to be it for us so we will be watching the game on Sunday and both of us active on Twitter on Twitter as always I am at football underscore grump catch me as always at the cranky fan you know this is you know, the byproduct of COVID is we get to have everything on at once where grump this is pretty amazing but 
We're recording this on a Thursday night. The NFL game might be my fifth option of all the things happening on tonight. Between the playoffs and pennant races and everything, it's a, it's a great time to be alive if you're a sports fan. Well, it's the Browns. Um, <laughs> and this so, much love, so, much love, so much love for Odo Beckham, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, you know. And as always, the podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, you name it, that's where it is. And you just... Uh, Sign up for free and all of these episodes are ready and waiting for you to listen to every Tuesday morning and every Friday morning. That's right. And we appreciate the support. And if you could give us a five-star rating and a review, you know, like us on Twitter, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, you know, you know the routine. We've been doing this now for 20 years on social media. You know how it works. Just uh, follow us and tell your friends, tell all your giant fan friends, uh, you know. We're here to talk, so make it happen. <laughs> All right, everyone. Sunday at 1 o'clock. Go, Go Giants. Giants.